No, you sound fine. Fine, okay. just you sound fine. Fine. <laughs> I have a stuffy nose. Suck it. <laughs> no, you sound fine. You sound fine. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to episode 83 of I'm Sorry What the Podcast. I'm Amanda. I'm Christina, and she just got done yelling at me. Because she's being a bitch. <laughs> I'm not being a bitch. You're being. She just said dead puppies at me when I told her I was sad. <laughs> That's a bitchy thing to do. <laughs> Actually, you didn't say you were sad. You said you were menstrual raging and it made you weepy and you cried at the drop of a hat. So then I said dead puppies. So you if- tried to make me cry. That's a bitchy if- thing to do. <laughs> no, just to see if you actually would cry at the drop of a hat. And instead, this- you turned your rage on me. <laughs> this is not a I didn't- fucking science be- class. We are not <laughs> experimenting on how the hormones deal in my body. To be Please fair, stop talking about dead puppies. <laughs> to be fair... I didn't kill any puppies. I just said the phrase, dead puppies. No, you looked directly into the camera on our Zoom and said, dead puppies. (laughs) And just waited for me to do something. (laughs) And I said, stop it. Don't be a bitch. (laughs) And that's how the beginning of our recordings always go. There's some kind of... And I said, uh, stop it. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> that I threatened to cancel the whole podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Shit, son. What's up? How you doing? I'm grand. I'm ready to chop my foot off and just walk around with a peg leg. Do it. You're a py- pirate at heart. I am. I do love rum. I not mean, it's not scurvy and syphilis, though. So. Well, I mean, you don't have to. I just feel like that was a <laughs> an issue of the times. Look, I was hanging things up, and I have a hammer next to me. <laughs> just an issue of the times. She whips a hammer out. I'm like, Jesus, what is happening? <laughs> oh, we're going to act things out. Great. Great. It's going well. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Get good. your shit well, together. I'm glad you're good, though. Yeah. Like, other than your foot being a pain in the ass. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I, uh... <laughs> I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> I have made squash soup this week and cut off a chunk of my thumbnail. So that was fun because I was peeling it and the peeler went, whoop, got caught in my thumb and I went, panic, hold it really tight, go to the sink because I, I thought I took a chunk of my thumb off Oh, because I couldn't feel it yet and I just felt it like get caught in my nail oh and i was like i don't want to know i don't want to know uh-huh pretty much and i opened up my thumb i'm like oh my god that's not bad at all it's just the nail it just got caught on the nail and pulled off like the corner of it like i mean it's probably you can kind of see i don't know if you can see but it's a little cut ski yeah got a little like top of it off it's still hanging on by a thread so in a little couple days it'll fall off but yeah, no, I thought it was way worse than it was because I panicked. I'm like, I'm by myself. I don't know the area. What if I need to get stitches? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> but otherwise, I had a very uneventful week. Nice. That was the most exciting thing. I mean, I did just worked. Did my little work from home thing, which is kind of nice now because... yeah. Get a lot more done. It? Yeah. 
I like it a look a lot. And it's kind of cool because because Chris and I go to the gym in the morning at like 4.30. We get back and by 6 o'clock I've already started like kind of working. So then by like 11 or noon, whenever he gets back from lunch, I'm pretty much done with all my like daily tasks that I have to get done. Mm -hmm. And then the afternoon is just like, it's free. So I can do more work, like just shift to the next thing or I can do make fucking squash soup or yeah banana bars or you know just do something with my time other than working so it's kind of nice that way and then I can like shift my schedule around and Mm -hmm. run into town to go help mom with something if I need to or to go do deliveries or to go whatever so it's really it's been really nice so far nice I'm getting a little antsy though. I think I need to start like looking at like a part-time job just to like get out and meet people and be around yeah. people. But otherwise, glad it's working out for you. Yeah. 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 You like this? You like that? You like I do. That's nice. <laughs> You're a creeper. Thanks. So, from what we talked about, we're doing, like, a haunted tour today, huh? A haunted tour. I mean, kind of. I'm in Ireland. And I am in the South. Can I remember what state? I'm in Ireland, and I didn't look up how to pronounce any of the names, so... Enjoy that. Enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I only do so much research before I'm like, it's fucking fine, I'll just wing it. (laughs) Well, we do on this podcast. All right. Well, and for me, I'm like, I, it would be way too long if I went into every single resource I could possibly do for different well, stuff. I'm like, and only so much time. I'd look it up and then not remember it anyway. So let's be honest. Right. You'd have to like type it out phonetically. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of work. I don't have that kind of time. So I, <laughs> should we just dive dive right in yeah tell me okay um i'm gonna tell you about leap castle Ooh. and it's dubbed the most haunted castle in ireland oh oh shit so uh there are the history on it is a little um iffy they're not really sure when exactly the main tower or keep of the castle was constructed Okay. Um, it, the dates range anywhere from the 13th century to the late 15th century. So a little bit of a gap there. But most likely around, they think it may be around like 1250. Uh, and they, it was built by the O'Banion clan, um, and it was re- originally called Leap of the O'Banions. Okay. The O'Banions were, however, were the secondary chieftains of a territory um, that were. Like, they were second in command of the territory, and the ruling clan was the O'Carroll clan. Yeah. O'Doyle rules! <laughs> <laughs> That's all these O names made me think of that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's all. Okay. Okay. Go on. Get your shit together. Okay. Hey, shut up. Not like you don't ever come in with some <laughs> random ass shit. Always. When also, saying things. 15th century. What were you doing? Because this is the only time that I was a witch in a castle. Makes sense. That's the first thing I thought. I'm like, 15th century. Well, I could be a witch. I was a witch in a castle. <laughs> that's, that's all I got. 
Um, okay, so the O'Carroll clan were, they had a reputation for be- being very fierce and brutal, and they eventually took over ownership of the keep. Okay. It didn't really explain why or when. Um, they were known to be particularly violent and cunning in attempts for, like, domination and power. Okay. Uh, so there was two legends that I kept in here. One, it tells of several occasions where the O'Carrolls would employ other clans as mercenaries to kill off nearby threats. Because, like, in Ireland and Scotland around this time, all of the different clans were always warring with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would employ the other clans as mercenaries to, like, help fight their battles or whatever. But then upon completion of the job, the mercenaries were then invited back to the Leap Castle for a celebratory feast, and then they would all be poisoned. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. That sounds like a fucking movie. Yeah. Or their throats were cut. So they would just kill everybody that helped them, and then they'd hire another clan. And that's you think how that they- word would get out? Yeah. Like, no. I mean, I would think so. Like, they just never came back, man. <laughs> right. And then... Okay. Um, their corpses were then thrown into the oblique, which I will get to. Okay. I'm not going to get into what that is because holy fuck. But 39 of the O'Neill clan were said to be disposed of in this fashion. So, like, it wasn't like 15. It was like they killed off 50 people of a certain family clan in one night. This is what I'm saying. Don't you think people notice? Yeah. In 1599, another deadly deed. Another deadly deed. That was definitely copied and pasted. My bad. Okay. In 1599, um, (laughs) another legend, it stated that um, Charles O'Carroll, the last chieftain of Atleap, was at war with the Earl of Tyrone. And he hired the McCone clan there. Yeah. McCone clan. Um, as mercenaries, after they had fought for him, the O'Carrolls held a feast for the mercenaries. They were then mur- all murdered in their sleep. Um, and they believe that the McCone clan actually is said to haunt the Great Hall at Leeb Castle. Okay. So, so then the Earl of Kildare, uh, Gerald Fitzgerald, tried to seize the castle in 1513. And then three years later, he attacked the castle again and managed to partially dis- demolish it. Uh, but the Carols had regained possession by the late 1550s. Okay. And then following the death of Mulrooney O'Carroll in 1532, um, basically it, it started a power struggle through the entire clan. And uh, there's very fierce rivalries for within the family between sons and brothers and stuff like that. Um, and then for years there were murders and suspicious deaths in the family as leadership moved through the clan and i was gonna i was trying to like map it all out but there's so many so like the son of mulrooney was the head of the clan and then he was murdered by clans or by clansmen by 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 another member another member of the clan and then that guy was murdered by Mulrooney's son's son. And then that guy was murdered by his brother who was murdered by his cousin who was like, it literally yeah. was like 30 people killed each other within the family. It's hard to map out a web. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not necessarily like a straight line. No. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, this is just, there's a lot of names. There's a lot of people dying. So basically for like 30 years, 40 years, it was just like, murder after murder after murder in the castle the family kept killing each other to try to be the one who was in charge yeah it was real game of thronesy bullshit yeah 
Um, so in sixteen twenty nine, John O'Carroll's nephew, who was at that point the guy in charge, was given the official ownership of the Leap Estate. And then uh in sixteen forty nine, the ownership was handed over to the first of the Darby family, which is not related to the O'Carrolls. It was also a Cromwellian, so he was English. Okay. So they had taken over part of it. Um, and it was given to him as payment for services rendered in the army. Mm, okay. So then it actually switched back to John O'Carroll from um, Charles, because John O'Carroll pledged loyalty to J- Charles the first. And then when Charles the second came into power, they gave it back to the Darby family. <laughs> so it was, it's, it's flipped back and forth quite a bit. Right. But um, so while Charles, uh, Jonathan Charles Darby was living in the castle. His wife, Mildred Darby, um, was held multiple seances, and she was uh, a writer and a fan of Gothic novels. So um, she was very public about all the seances and stuff that she held, and she would write about the ghosts in the castle. So that's where a lot of the information comes from. Okay. Um, the... They then expanded and built on the central keep uh, to make it kind of like a giant castle. But in order to pay for these, they like sold off most of the land accompanying the castle. Okay. So, which is believed to be one motivation. So the castle was burned in the Irish Civil War in 1922. Okay. And so now after its destruction, uh, Darby, he got like reinstatement like an insurance estimate and it's it sat at like a cool one million two million dollars in 2018 2019 money um so then in 1974 the because the castle was in ruins it was never restored or anything in 1974 um an australian historian peter bartlett whose mother had actually been a banyan the people who originally built the keep okay um built or bought the land and started to restore it and then he sold it in um he died in 1989 and then the estate sold it in 1991 and it was privately owned by sean ryan and his wife Anne, who are continuing to restore the work okay so we're getting into the hauntings now um i got okay so the first thing is the bloody chapel that's the first site so the bloody chapel is home to many what they believe to be spirits or ghosts uh people passing the castle at night have reported bright lights streaming out of the upper windows uh it's been reported since the time of the darbies so like still in the 17 1600s gross um when the castle was left burnt out a burnt out shell after 1922 this event was also reported by passersby. Even now, neighbors have telephoned the Ryans and informed them that the chapel is lit up. Sorry. No, you're fine. Um, one of the most well-known ghosts is referred to as the O'Carroll priest. So after the death, death of Mulrooney O'Carroll in 1532, like I said, there was a huge power struggle um, developed within the remaining O'Carroll family. Mm-hmm. Um, legend has it that Oh, the priest was the brother, one of the brothers of Mul, like sons of Mulrooney O'Carroll. Okay. And um, it was believed that the priest started the mass before the arrival of his brother, and it was considered to be a very great insult. 
And in a rage, his brother slaughtered the priest in the middle of the service where he stood, like just slit his throat. Seems like an overreaction. (laughs) So the the priest had been, well, and he did it in front of the entire clan and family. Mm -hmm. Like he just went up to the front and just like slit his throat. So he has been seen on many occasions in the bloody chapel. The spirit has also been seen lurking on the stairway below and also leaving the chapel via the Western door, um, which is kind of where the like housing part of the chapel was. Okay. So now we're going to get to the oblit. Oblit? Oblit. Obliette. I think it's it's French, so oblit. Yeah, that's so right. One of the more sinister features of the bloody chapel is the oblit. So it is a small chamber located um, in the like northeastern corner of the bloody chapel, and its its original use for the chambers was to store like valuables and also to be used as a hiding place in the event of a siege. But the O'Carrolls, because they were fucking maniacs, um, used it for more like a very sinister purpose. So during the renovation of the castle in the 1900s, workers found the obliette and behind a wall in the chapel. And at the bottom of the shaft were hundreds of human skeletons amassed on wooden spikes. When cleaned out, it took three cartloads to remove them. And it was roughly estimated to be about 150 bodies. So, like, people should... Kebabs, right? Like, is that what we're talking? Like, Like they would either, like, beat them and then throw them in there and they'd land on the wooden spikes and die a slow and painful death. Or that's where they would just dispose of bodies down there. This is a very extreme chokey. Yeah. Yeah. It's a vertical (laughs) jokey instead of... Or not a vertical, but like a... uh, it's, yeah. it's like a drop choky. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So Gross. I don't like that. That's yeah. Uh, can you imagine? Because how? Okay. Because you think about it, they're not throwing them down there necessarily when they're dead. No, they were just prob- throw them down there. They probably bled to death or got like sepsis and took a couple days to die. And yep. Uh, and you're down there with a bunch of decaying bodies, and it just sounds terrible. Sounds just I can't. Yeah. Okay, now I just grossed myself out. Mm-hmm. I hate it. It's gross. So today that part is now covered over in order to keep people away from it. It is believed that the O'Carrolls would drop guests through the trap door to be impaled on the spikes eight feet below. A pocket watch found at the same time dating from the mid 1800s shows how recently the Obliette may have been used. Oh my gosh. Like it was, it was still being used. Like I'd hate that. Yeah. Just a couple hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Ugh, yuck. So okay. some believe that since the gruesome discovery, an emotional shockwave was sent through the castle and many spirits that were trapped there, including what's called the, and referred to as the elemental, were woken from that discovery. I love elementals. I think they're creepy as hell. <laughs> So Sean <laughs> Ryan, he speaks of a man who seems to live in the Obliette. He, Sean Ryan, the current owner, he leaves the bloody chapel on occasion and wanders down the lower levels of the castle. Okay. Um. So that's the bloody priest. And then just to there, there's a priest's house since the beginning of Leap Chap or Castle in 1922. The pre or the burning. I'm sorry. Uh, the priest's house is still an empty shell. Most of the accounts relate to the times of the Darbys where the, the 
hauntings were. Right. So Mildred Darby described the following. Um, she said, there's something heavy that lies on people's beds and snores, and they feel the weight of a great body pressing against them in a room in the priest's house. A burly man in rough clothes, like a pe- peasant. He always pushes a heavy barrel up the back stairs of the wing near the servants' bedrooms, and when just at the top, the barrel rolls down and disappears. A monk with a tonsure cowl walks in one window and out the other in the priest's house. I don't I'm, it makes me uncomfortable to think about laying in bed and having the feeling of somebody big and burly just like yeah. next to you or like partially on top of you. Mm-hmm. I don't, okay. So then <laughs> the next one is the murder hole room. The murder hole. It could be the obliette. They're not sure. It's all referenced and this is what Mildred referenced in one of her writings. So they've tried to find it. It's also known as the muckhole room. Um, and they've tried to find it because of the way she describes it. They're not sure if it's the Obliette or not, or if there's okay. another spot of the castle that was noti- called the murder hole. Which also terrible per- place. Sounds <laughs> fucking terrible. If that's if the Obliette is not the murder hole room, like what the fuck's in the murder hole room? Like, <laughs> I've so show you my murder hole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ew, gross don't say things like that um one argue okay so they they're the two possibilities of where else it could be located is the north or south wings so theoretically a murder hole in the traditional sense may have been situated in the area of the castle guarding the main entrance um (laughs) hold on is this just like a thing people had like oh and there's the entry that's the mud room there's our murder hole yeah like i don't know if it was like a trap door where they like it doesn't really describe well it kind of describes it i'll read you what mildred describes it as okay when you said traditional i was like is this just like a thing that i've never heard of it was traditionally guarding the main entrance um building of the gothic wings forced the removal of sections of the north and south walls possibly destroying the murder hole to be fair, they called it the muckle, muckle hole room. Okay. And then Mildred referred to it as the murder hole. The actual term is muckle hole. The muckle either, hole. Either way. Why? <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> just like, I'm just imagining like bringing someone in and be like, welcome to our home. <laughs> so like, this is where they're saying it's possible that the obliette was the murder hole that she was referring to. Right. But. Um, so Mildred said, I put my hand out of bed, snapping my fingers to call her Nell, who was her dog. Uh, my hand was suddenly in the grasp of another hand, a soft, cool hand at a temperature perceptibly lower than my own flesh. To say I was astonished would put it mildly, con- or would mildly convey my feelings. After a few seconds of steady pressure, the other hand let go, and almost simultaneously I heard heavy slide, uh, a heavy sliding fall like the collapse of a large body at the foot of the bed. Then in the absolute stillness of the room, there sounded a deep human groan and some half-articulated words or to be accurate prayers. People have complained before. In fact, we don't generally put anyone there now. The room is called the muckle or murder hole room. And the story goes that the stain on the floor is the blood of a man stabbed there by his brother. Two O'Carrolls quarreled over the ownership of the castle. The room had been disused for 50 years or more when we did it up. The stain had been planned planed off the boards several times but it always came 
always comes again and creeps up from below in a few hours. Oh, I don't, what? So (laughs) it always comes again. So she refers to, so there's, she refers to the, I think the murder hole is the stain of blood on the floor. So they don't know if it's an actual like room that had a murder hole or muckle room in it, or if it refers to the stain of blood on the floor that always appears back up. Okay. So, I mean, I could see, especially since she calls it a murder hole and that's not exactly what it's called. Yeah. Usually, like, it might just be her take of this, like, unwashable stain. Yeah. And then, but they can't, they don't know what room it was in. So that's kind of creepy, is when you're refurbishing Uh, it, you don't know which one was the murder hole room. Also, the concept of putting your hand out to snap your fingers to get your dog to come and someone like grabs your hand but there's nobody there and you can feel it and it's like cold uh-uh. i don't like I that i don't like that at all no okay <laughs> i just snapped my fingers to call her and then i was my hand was held by a cold hand yeah and then i looked over and a dead body flopped on the floor like yeah like what the fuck is happening right now <laughs> You just calmly rewrite that? Okay, that's not terrifying. My instant response would be like, that's it. I've lost it. It's me. I'm done. Well, she has so many. So the next sighting is the red lady that is seen. Okay. So one of the spirits encountered, um, and it's noted back from the Darbies and it's still seen today, is known as the red lady. She has been described as a very tall woman clothed in a red dress she has been seen carrying a dagger in her hand raising it in a menacing manner and then disappearing a strange uh like light is seen radiating from within her people encountering the spirit have commented on an immense cold filling the room and permeating into their heart thought that the woman was captured by the o'carrolls and subsequently raped the baby born as a result was then killed by the o'carroll reasoning that they could not afford to feed the child uh, distraught the woman then killed herself with the same blade so i have mildred's that, writing on this as well i just that that the concept of the cold permeating their heart it, i imagine that deep like shiver you get when yeah. you get really cold and it's like your insides are like when you feel it in your bones yeah oh okay so what's her what's okay. her take so on october 31st I went to my bedroom about 11 p.m. During the night, the time was 12.45 a.m. As I subsequently saw by my watch, I felt that I was awakened by somebody in my room. It was pitch dark, and at first I could see nothing. I was wide awake with an extraordinary cold feeling at my heart that rapidly increased in intensity. Almost immediately, I felt as much as saw that there was a tall figure in the middle of the room. My first impression was that the O'Connell himself or O'Carroll himself was there as no other member of this household would could correspond to the height. What is it? I asked. There was no answer, but now I could see dimly at first and with increasing distinction distinctness that the tall figure was clothed from head to foot in red and with with its right hand raised menacingly in the air. To my utter astonishment, I could see that the light which illuminated that figure was from within, having very much the effect of the dark lantern used in a photographer's room. So it was like a red light. Yeah. As the figure advanced towards me, the light increased, and I I could see distinctly the form was that of a very tall woman holding some sort of weapon, knife or dagger in her hand. What is it? I asked again. Who is it? And then hurriedly struck a match and lit my candle. 
As the flame of the match and candle illuminated the room, I looked all around and the room was empty. Can you imagine being terrified seeing a ghost and not being able to flip on a lamp? You got to light a goddamn match and light your lantern fast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, okay. Yeah, no. mm -mm, mm -mm. I already don't like sleeping in the dark. Why, right? Let alone not being able to turn on a readily available light. Right. She also wrote that there's a tall woman in the in a in a scarlet dress that rustles she haunts the blue room which always used to be the nursery and sobs at the foot of children's beds that's frightening <laughs> i can't uh, a kid waking up and there's a woman just crying at your the foot of your bed yeah <laughs> that's so terrifying i can't nope Mm-mm. okay so then the next ghosts are emily and charlotte charlotte there are two young girls who have been seen at Leap Castle. They are mainly seen playing in the main hall and running up the stairwell. They are believed to have lived in the castle during the 1600s. They believe Emily died around the age of 11 after falling from the castle's southeastern battlements. People outside the castle have reported seeing a girl falling off the castle roof and disappearing before hitting the ground. Uh, Charlotte has also been seen with a deformed leg that drags backwards behind her. Oh, I don't like that. There's nothing creepier than a child with a deformed leg dragging it behind them like a ghost. I'm just thinking of like a club foot. Yeah, can you hear the sound of like funk drag? funk drag not like a real child i'm sorry i didn't mean there's no nothing creepier than a real child with a deformed leg like, like a ghost like a ghostly being that you see you're like oh my gosh because at first you go like you want to help them and then you realize that it's a fucking ghost and you're like <laughs> you're a very frightening being take your peg leg away from me so Mildred's writings of this said another night I was sleeping with my little girl I awoke and saw a girl with long fair hair standing at the fireplace one hand at her side the other on the chimney piece thinking at first it was my little girl I felt on the pillow to see if she were gone but she was fast asleep there was no fire or light of that uh, any kind in the room okay also hate that where you're like oh it must be my daughter Nope, she's still right here. What yep. the fuck? Yeah. So then um, the governess or nanny is also frequently seen in the main hall and is often seen with the two little girls. It appears that visitors at Leap seem to have more interaction with her than the current owners. Guests have reported being touched or having someone brush past them. And a friend of Sean Ryan was having lunch at Leap Castle one day and both him and another female guest sitting near the fire saw a proud lady in a Victorian attire wall die entire wall diagonally across the main hall so she just walked across the main hall okay i just well and it's funny because i'm sure now there's like also just the the regular footsteps and all that stuff that come with it too but like these like deep detailed ones are just Mm -hmm. (sighs) so the last person before we get to the elemental so excited i love elementals i think (laughs) murdered woman so she is a woman who has been seen and heard since the time of the Darby's resident. She is believed to have been murdered by an O'Carroll. Mildred Darby described her in an article that said there is a woman with very few clothes and a red cloth over her face. She screams loudly twice and then disappears. She also said, one night I was sitting talking with my governess. I got up, said goodnight, opened the door, which was on the top of the back staircase. As I did so... I heard someone, a woman, come slowly upstairs, walk past us to a window at the end of the landing, and then with a shriek, fall heavily. As she passed, it was bitterly cold, and I drew back 
into the room, and, but I did not say anything as it might frighten the governess. There is a reenactment of the two O'Carroll brothers fighting over a lover. She was chased along the gallery and then stabbed. They all disappear and the entire keep is lighted up. I have no words for that. That's so, yeah. a lot. So Sh- Sean Ryan, the present owner, has also heard a woman screaming, but they can't ever find a woman when they hear the screaming. That's frightening. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Okay, so another tidbit about the castle before I go into the elemental um is there's evidence uh that it was actually constructed on the same site as another ancient stone structure perhaps a ceremonial nature nature like a pagan structure um and that the area has been occupied consistently since the the iron age which could be like the 500 bc uh and possibly since neolithic times oh wow so they built it like it's like the Irish equivalent of building it on ancient Indian burial ground. Like they, right. they built it on what is considered like a ceremonial structure in nature. Right. So the elemental, let me get to that, is um, one of the most interesting spirits that resides at Leap Castle. The first encounter, origin, and exact nature of that are unknown, but there are many theories that have circulated over the years. Um, there have been vague mentions of a troublesome spirit at Leap castle ever since early times uh one early belief is that the elemental was put there by druids along before the castle was built to protect the sacred site used for initiations and druidic magic okay another theory is that the elemental was placed there by an invading force to burn the castle from the inside uh the person responsible is thought to be gerald fitzgerald earl of kildare he was renowned a renowned magic practitioner and had attempted to take over the castle on several occasions Okay. So local myths say that the elemental is the spirit of an ancient O'Carroll who died in the castle from leprosy. He was actually the first O'Carroll to like occupy it. Um, this is said to be the reasoning for the decomposing facial features and the appalling stench that accompanies the presence of the spirit. So hmm. Mildred Darby was said to have um, also have dabbled in the occult. Uh, her activities focused on seances and automatic writing. Some think that it was her dabbling that either awoke or summoned the elemental. Right. Whatever the entity is, it is only seems to make its presence known when people begin to provoke it. Uh, the current owners, the Ryans, have lived at Leap since 1991 and have never felt that its presence. Okay. Uh, Mildred Darby was unknowingly provoking the elemental by her occult dabbling. Um, other individuals on the brunt end of the elemental's fury have also been looking for it and have attempted to study it. Um, there are very few personal accounts of encounters with the elemental, so they don't really have an accurate description. I have all of Mildred's writings, so I can go over those with you guys. Um, many appear different. To many, it appears different depending on the, how gifted the individual is at seeing spirits. Right. The best descriptions were those given by Mildred Darby, and so I have those. So Woo-hoo! at this, she said, suddenly two hands were laid on my shoulders. I turned around sharply and saw as clearly as you see now a gray thing standing a couple of feet from me with its bent arms raised as it, if it were cursing me. I cannot describe in words how utterly awful the thing was. It's very undefinableness, rendering the horrible shadow more gruesome. Human in shape, a little shorter than I am. I could just make out the shape of big black holes, like great eyes and sharp features. But the whole figurehead, face, hands, and all, was gray, unclean, bluish gray, 
something of the color and appearance of a common cotton wool, but oh, so sinister, so repulsive and devilish. My friends who are clever about occult things say it's what they call an elemental. That's gross. So then she also describes another time. The thing was about the size of a sheep, thin, gaunt, and shadowy in parts. Its face was human, or to be more accurate, inhuman in its vileness, with large holes of blackness for eyes, loose, slobbery lips, and thick saliva dripping jaw, sloping back suddenly into its neck. It had no nose, only spreading cancerous cavities, the whole face being uniformed a uniform tint of gray. This too was the color of the dark, coarse hair covering its head, neck, and body. Its forearms were thickly coated with the same hair, so were its paws, large, loose, and hand-shaped, and it sat on its hind legs. One hand or paw was raised, and a claw-like fingers were extended, ready to scratch the paint of the wall. Its lusterless eyes, which seemed half-decomposed, looked incredibly foul and stared into mine, and the horrible smell, which had before offended my nostrils, only a hundred times intensified came up to my face, filling me with a deadly nausea. I noticed the lower half of the creature was indefinite and seemed semi-transparent at least. I could see the framework of the door that led into the gallery through its body. I face. I fucking hate that. <laughs> That's okay. So at first it kind of sounded like the trolls from Ernest Scared Stupid. And then, and then you said no nose. And I was like, okay, well, they had huge schnozzes, so it's not that. So then I like... Yeah, it's definitely me. not the trolls from Ernest Scared Stupid. I know. <laughs> Good uh, guess, though. No, but I'm saying that's what it sounded like at first when you were like, it was gray in nature, da-da-da-da-da, and whatever. And they were like short because those trolls were like short. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, had no nose. And I was like, oh, well, they definitely had some huge noses. <laughs> on those trolls so but that's that was my uh beginning stature but holy yuck yes ew, i hate so, it okay she those th- these writings were um put into like an occult magazine uh in kilman titled kilman castle and someone actually uh, wrote back to her a personal encounter while staying at the castle so so their encounter said i saw eyes i saw their eyes so she was talking to somebody and she saw their eyes fixed upon something above our heads and the next minute my own eyes were filled with the sight of the thing in the gallery looking down at us there was plenty of light from the lamps in the hall and one the one above the wall at the corner of the gallery for every one of us to see quite plainly the gray colored figure about the height of a small grown-up person looking down at us i wish i thought i could never forget the sight of that gray figure with dark spots like holes in its head instead of eyes standing with gray arms folded on the gallery railing looking down at us then just as he put a foot on the gallery then just as he put a foot on the gallery the thing that we were watching suddenly faded out of sight it the thing did not move only became less and less visible until it vanished so it like put his foot up on the railing like it looked like it was going to jump down on them and then just faded out of sight. You know, what? I got to say, I love being home alone during these recordings. <laughs> doesn't creep me out at all. Doesn't make me go, the fuck was that? Uh, gross. Okay, cool. Okay. So I have, a, I have like a couple more and then I'm done. All right, okay. I'm ready. So this one is, um, so she responded back to this person and said like they like corresponded back and forth about the elemental 
And so her last letter, it said the last appearance of the elemental was on November 25th, 1915. And I deduct again last November from the gate of my husband, really wild with rage, fright, coming into my room at midnight to let fly at me for again, dressing up things to try and frighten him. <laughs> so her husband blamed her for this thing he saw. Her husband's like, this is some bullshit. Her Why husband, are you trying to scare me? Her Why are you pranking me? Sick of her occult bullshit all up in his house. <laughs> Why are you pranking me? So on November 25th, uh, two of our servants, knowing the master would be late and that I was driving that afternoon, had invited friends, two soldiers from the barracks at Bar Distant to the other side, um, six miles. So they invited friends over. Some of their servants did. And they came rather late. And my husband came home early. So the visitors had to be kept out of his sight in the lower regions of the wings. And were unable to be shown the center tower, the very lofty hall. At 7.15, my husband and I went up to dress for dinner. My room in ex- my room, um, far from the kitchens, his dressing room right next door to me. While dressing, I was startled by a loud yell of terror, stricken male and female voices coming apparently from the hall and ran out to see the cause. My husband was out ahead of me. Uh, I passed through the corridor of a wing and onto the gallery wing around the hall two lamps on the gallery and two more in the hall below were lit on the gallery leaning with hands resting on its rail i saw the thing the elemental and smelt it only too well at the same amount my husband pulled up sharply about 10 feet from the thing and half turned to let fly a volley of abuse at me ending up yelling dressing up a thing like that and trying to make a fool of me (laughs) and now you'll say i've seen something and i've not seen anything and there's nothing to see or ever was he then stormed back into his room (laughs) he's like this is some bullshit why do you keep doing this to me (laughs) yeah and she's like bitch that's not me i didn't do it um as he was speaking the elemental grew fainter and fainter in its outlines until it disappeared He never made any inquiry as to the yell that called us both out, and from that day to this has not mentioned the incident to me. I heard from our servants that when we went to dress for dinner, they had brought their friends just to show them the hall, when all four had suddenly seen and smelt the elemental looking down at them from the gallery. We all got such a, they all got such a turn that they couldn't help letting out a scream, and they fled to the servants' quarters where all four were very sick. The two maids had letters necessitating their going home early the next day and they did not return so everybody's like fuck this i can't be here anymore yes see ya so then what i have is more recent i have a more recent one from june of 2002 so this is from someone who had come to leap castle to do like a paranormal investigation okay I traveled to Leap Castle in order to make a show for a local TV network, and this was my first time in the Notorious Castle I had heard so much about. So the show went well, but I had wanted to try the UV on the camcorder while still shooting. I had sent something down the old access to the battlements earlier and never went down. I climbed the stairs with the camcorder in front. The light from the UV allowed me to see about six feet ahead and no more. So I climbed slowly. I opened the Gothic style door and made my way slowly down the narrow passage. About 10 feet in, I thought I saw something move and I lifted my head. I could feel something was wrong, but I had no idea what. This time with the camera dropped, I thought I saw a glow come from around the corner and then it went back in. I stood and studied this for a while and thought it may be a side effect of the UV, which can can be common. A few steps more 
and my body was weakening fast. It was a strange sensation. Suddenly, this mass of white, while like mist, raced around the corner like a bull. Even the rubbish on the floor scattered as it approached at speed. The passage was tight, and I turned to my left to try and get out of it, but it was too late. I felt the pain as if something had pierced under my right rib cage. It went all the way through to my back. This startled me a little, and we proceeded to arrange shooting in the cellars. The audio refused to tape again in the cellars, and I felt really odd. I was sweating heavily and was becoming very weak and drowned in dread. Right after the incident in the tunnel, it felt as if a hole in my chest had been punctured on a spiritual level, and my life was seeping into the stones. In order to describe it and let the reader understand what they would have experienced understand they would have had to experience a large blood loss sometime in their lives as though they felt the blood drain this weakness would become prominent other words they were experiencing the onset of death i felt like i was dying isn't that gross i don't like that i felt like i was dying i hate when people like describe things like that even when we do our true crime stories Mm -hmm. and people are talking about like after they were attacked and they're sitting there like they're like i could feel myself dying i hate that like concept Yes. Just, oh, hurts my heart to think about. So then I have one more from the 1920s and then one from 2006 as well. So Ooh. burnt out during the 1920s, Leap's looks, Leap's looks lived up to its reputation. Narrow gothic windows, ivy-covered towers, bats and barn owls. It was like a set from a Vincent Price movie. We <laughs> crept in through the gaping doorway. Our flashlights reveal, revealed a huge hole in the stone floor front hall. And we gingerly made our way around the edge, leading for the spiraled staircase. No ghost would make us nervous. We were the Dublin Ghostbusters. Despite our confidence, we found ourselves talking in whispers, a slight sound behind me, and I spun like a ballerina to see the cause. But as I spun around, I slipped and then dropped through the hole in the floor. The flashlight hit a rock and went out just above me, just out of reach. I could see the jagged outline of the floor. I could hear friends coming to help me. And then in the darkness, I could hear a sniffling snorting sort of noise there was a smell too a horrid rotten smell of death i am not athletic but that night tara put rockets into my heels and i shot upwards scrabbling madly i made the to the doorway and did not stop running till i was in the car i mean oh no yeah (laughs) oh no i just like that and i did not stop running fuck it bye (laughs) so the last encounter is that I have is for with the elemental from June 18th of 2006. I looked into the darkness of a corridor that exited the spiral stairway. I became aware of the smell of sulfur. It was as if boxes and boxes of matches had suddenly been lit at once. I looked at my friend who had taken me to visit leap castle. He could also smell the sulfur. I started into the dark or stared into the darkness of the corridor and held the impression that a beast like a bear or a lion was staring back at me. The tension was rising like a ticking time bomb. My friend then closed the door and said, let sleeping dogs lie, meaning sometimes you just have to leave things alone. He was a friend of Sean Ryan, and I certainly did not want to disrespect either of them by stirring up the elemental. Whoa, okay. The smell of sulfur. I always, that, that like connection is always like a, one of those like instinctual, like, oh no. No, I don't like that. Something's not right. So the elemental does have potential to cause great harm to anyone receiving the brunt of an attack. One belief is that the elemental has the ability to alter atmospheric pressure, 
generally lowering it. Uh, the polarity of atmospheric ions fluctuates and triggers a condition known as serotonin hyperfunction syndrome. Um, and this can cause su- symptoms such as heart palpitations, nausea, vomiting, sweating, chills, tremor, dizziness, and fatigue. It also has been seen that the skin and hair will have electrical charge, the theory that has been generated over the last 10 years. And it is an interesting to note similarities between these symptoms and those described by Mildred Darby in the 1900s. She Uh says, I felt every hair on my head separate and move for my flesh, all of my over my body and scalp crept and every hair on my head stood straight on end. Mm-hmm. The absolute weakness that came over me, the seeming cessation of the pulses of life, the grip in the heart and brain, the deadly numbness, which rendered me incapable of thought, word or action when I first saw that awful beast. Palpitations, the electrical charge in the air. Yeah. And that is Leap Castle. Wow. That was creepy. It's now on my list of places to go. <laughs> I know this one. Um, the one that I did today too is also, I looked at how much it costs to stay there because it is stateside. So it's easier to get to. Yeah. I'm like, um, if we, the St. James hotel, which is one of the most haunted places in Minnesota, does a thing every year that you can rent rooms and they do ghost walks at night. So Why have we, we never it. done that? I don't know. You always say you don't want to do actual ghost things. Well, listen, that's how you end up with a demon hanging out in your soul. I'm just saying. It's funny because I'm like, yeah, let's do like a ghost tour. And you're like, yeah, let's go to like the haunted house. Like we have our different scaries that we like. And I was like, I don't like haunted houses where we go and we get scared by actual humans. Actual humans scare me more than spirits. (laughs) Don't touch me. Get away. Don't touch me. I don't like it. Um, Good job. Hey, thanks. But yeah, I think we should do things. Do fun things. Oh, Amanda. Yeah. What do you got for me, bitch? Well, I'm going to tell you about the Myrtle's Plantation. Which? Myrtle. Myrtle. Which, ironically, because you did the most haunted castle, right? Mm Mm-hmm. This is the most haunted house in America. Oh. I know. You said that, and I was just like... Ooh. Well, aren't we just on the same page this week? Just, just good job. Oh, yeah. This is great. It's just great. It's great. Right. So, I'm going to tell you about the Myrtle's Flan- Flantation. Flatulation. Oh, Myrtle's Flantation. <laughs> uh, plantation, which is located in St. Francisville, Louisiana. St. Francisville. Francisville. Yes. So it was built in 1796 by General David Bradford, who was like a high society attorney at the time. Um, Well, he started, we'll get into it. He started as a high society attorney, um, a pillar of the community, if you will, which great, always a good sign. Um, in 1791, he became involved in the opposition for the whiskey task, tax, tax, I'm sorry. I don't know why the whiskey I can't tits? talk. <laughs> I kept saying tass, like tassels. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, tax. Um, Dude. so he was opposition to the wh- whiskey task, tax. I can't. Okay. Are you drunk? Uh, no. Is I. that in that cup? This is coffee. <laughs> That's I all I know. got. I don't know if I believe you. It's coffee with half and half and a little bit of monk fruit extract for sweetness. What the fuck is monk fruit? 
it's a natural sweetener that isn't broken down into its chemical compounds so that it's like sugar where it gets addictive if that makes sense so it's like an extract instead okay, of a you fucking pers- hippie uh, i'm not a hippie sugar and cocaine are made the same way i'm just saying it's just two different kinds of plants um anyway <laughs> so uh he was in opposition of this tax and they started the whiskey rebellion i don't know if you ever heard of that Sounds um fun right so he actually had a nickname during this and they called him whiskey dave uh not to and- be confused with Whis- whiskey dick whiskey dick yes don't mix them up they're not the same <laughs> hey not the same <laughs> not the same um in july of 1794 george washington sent a tax inspector to the area to basically like make sure that all the farmers and stuff that were distilling their own whiskey were um claiming it because they were distilling it and selling it to the people around them uh-huh. and to different businesses but they didn't want to get taxed on it but this whole like yeah because fuck taxes right am i right right like who needs to pay for anything else um but uh so yeah so they didn't want to get taxed on it basically because it was new and the whole concept of taxing was like a huge reason that they wanted to break away from england in the first place right um a a taxation without representation which wasn't a thing i'm sorry right i was like i was like it's it wasn't necessarily a thing they just wanted to be religiously free basically which i feel like is that was their excuse but yeah anyway so let's get political right george george washington sent this tax inspector to basically make sure that all of the homes were uh claiming their distilleries okay um a group of 500 armed men attacked this inspector's house where he was staying during this uh check yep Mm -hmm. so george washington in response sent a 13,000 man militia to basically just push back the protesters so the government um, always has just been a fucking nightmare. I feel like this was warranted. <laughs> they were attacking a man specifically that was sent by the government to check things and not thir- not a 13,000 army to put they, to push they back didn't, protesters. They pushed them back. They didn't like attack them. So I still they think like 13,000 is a bit r- excessive. <laughs> okay. Anyway, again, let's not get super political on things right now. I'm just um, saying 13,000 is a lot. That's a lot of people. It is a lot. A I agree. Legion. I agree, but there were 500 armed men against 13,000. He sent a legion of men against 500 men. What is this, Sparta? So is he going to send 500 so they're one to one? Yes. <laughs> Sounds like a great way to start an actual war. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just making a point. But either way, so only 20 men were arrested in this. And one of those men were was Bradford. So Whiskey Dave was arrested during this, like, good old Whiskey Dave. Siege of the protest. They call it a protest, but they said he attacked, they attacked their home. So yeah. um, anyway, so let's see. Da-da-da, where did that go? Okay, I scrolled down too fast. And I was like, wait, where is it? Wait, uh, I need that. Come back. So there are a bunch of legends about Whiskey Dave. And about how he escaped whatever it may be when he was uh, trying to be arrested, right? Okay. So, he, one of the legends was that he jumped out of a window and landed on his awaiting horse and rode away. 
<laughs> and there okay, were other Zorro. Ones, yeah, and there were other ones that like they had this epic shootout, but in reality, he literally just fled, leaving his wife and children. <laughs> and uh, he had a five hundred dollar reward out for his arrest. Um, he basically just jumped on a local uh, coal barge and followed the river down the bayou to modern day Louisiana. So what a fucking dick. <laughs> so it wasn't that he was this big heroic figure. It was just that he was like, whoops, see you later. He was a uh, real piece of shit and just nope the fuck out. Yep. So basically he got away after being detained for a second. Okay. Um, he then bought a chunk of land down there about 650 acres, which seems excessive, um, (laughs) from the Spanish who were settled there at the time, and built the main house on this property first in 1797, declaring the property Laurel Grove was its original name. Ooh, pretty. Um, This is when he switched his career so that he was less likely to be found. Um, he turned it, he became a planter, which basically is a farmer, but that's what they called them then. Okay. Um, he did, from what I could tell, it was sugar cane that he was planting, but it doesn't technically say what exactly, but according to like local, local stuff, that's probably what he was planting. Okay. Um, and he was a slave owner and in 1799, uh, the people that were actively in the Whiskey Rebellion and that had been arrested and detained um, were pardoned by President Adams, and that's when Bradford moved his family down to the plantation with him when oh, he was he trying actually to live undercover. Went back and got his family. Yeah, it was like three-ish years later. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, but he did that after he wasn't trying to like evade capture because he got pardoned. Okay. Uh, so. Bradford passed away in 1808 and Elizabeth, his wife, took over the plantation until 17 or until 1817 um, when she gave the management over to her daughter's husband, Clark Woodruff. Okay. Okay. Her daughter's name is Sarah. So Clark and Sarah are kind of running it now, right? Gotcha. Um, The two were, would live on the plantation with Elizabeth until 1824 when Sarah and two of their children passed away from yellow fever. (gasps) Yep, and mm. so in 1831 is when all that went down, and then after that, Clark moved off of the plantation and left it to a caretaker of the property, like he couldn't be there anymore okay. after his wife and kids died there. Right. Um, Clark ended up selling the entire entirety of their plantation to Ruffin Grace Sterling. So Ruffin, Ruffin, I know, and then I like use his first name specifically because I like the name Ruffin. <laughs> Ruffin. <laughs> I know, it like, makes me want to bark. Ruff. Ruff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fucking no. So this is when the house got remodeled and doubled in size. It became this huge, like, uh, classically plantation looking house because before it was just a little like farmhouse yeah um and they added like a veranda and they made it really fancy it had like uh, a french cross etched into the front door there was Uh a and a gentleman's parlor marble on the mantles all that fancy stuff sounds Um, really fucking ridiculous and that's right i'm like over the top too much um and that's when they renamed it myrtle's plantation what a name 
they named it after the myrtles which are apparently like some sort of flower that was found on the property like the property oh, lines okay um so i guess that's what it was never heard of it in my life so myrtle 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 so ruffin sterling passed away in 1854 and left like the entire plantation to his wife okay okay um and when the civil war was finished this is so weird to me because i'm like doing this thing and i've just timeline when you put it into the american history timeline like washington yeah on this you know militia to come and then now they're talking about the civil war was finishing up and i'm like this house has been through some shit huh been through some it's been it's been a beat man it's been through some things uh so once it had finished that the civil war had finished the whole place had been robbed and basically emptied out just ransacked yeah Yeah. except the one chandelier that was still hanging um and the family was broke okay uh in 1865 mary who was ruffin's wife who had the ownership of the plantation hired a man named drew winter to help um ron on the plantation i don't know who ron is oh run the plantation it just didn't i typed it wrong <laughs> help ron on the plantation like i don't know Who's who ron, ron is where'd ron come from <laughs> oh run, run. <laughs> uh one of his six kids uh three-year-old kate died of typhoid fever on the property so basically Aww. i'm just like trying to give you the the history of things so you can see where some of the different legends and stuff come from just all um, the people dying yeah uh <laughs> and the fact that they like yeah. had slaves which means that there was a lot of like undocumented um, murder murder deaths everything murder. um they sold the property but winters was able to buy it back so winters the one who like took over the property for uh ruffin's wife um they had sold it and then they rebought it a couple years later okay um just because they were having money issues had to basically sort things out and then they got it back uh he was shot on the front porch of the house allegedly crawling inside and he began to crawl up the stairs and met sarah on the 17th step where he died in her arms oh i've heard a i think i've seen this episode on this that's really familiar to me oh i'm sure you have because so many different sort of like paranormal investigation people have done things on this or any sort of stories yeah um the killer was never caught and there were speculations of like who it was but i couldn't really find much of all that okay but sarah lived in the home oh okay there we go i was scrolling down and then i lost my words um sarah lived in the home with her mother and siblings until she passed away in seven or in 1878 and mary sterling ruffin's wife so sarah is their kid right mary is the mom and she passed away in 1880 so two years after sarah did um and left it to her son Stephen, who at this point of the property what it was in heavy debt it was falling apart like i said the civil war kind of just like destroyed them. destroyed everything yeah so he was forced to sell it to a man named oren d brooks okay 
Orin. Orin. You got a there's Ruffin some, and an Orin. There's some names mm-hmm. that are just their names, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> most names are names. <laughs> it just That's all I got for them is it's just, it's an, names that are names. That's a name. That's a, that's a name. <laughs> Uh, in 1886, this is when Oren took over and he had to sell it a couple years later. Um, but as you can see, like it kept changing hands. And so it changed hands a few more times. Um, by the time that the main owner, Harrison Milton Williams had bought it and he divided the property in two sections for his kids. Okay. So he bought it, divided it up. And then in the 1950s, so then they had it for a really long chunk of time. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 1950s, the house, just the house, was sold to a woman named Marjorie Munson. And this so the, is when, go ahead. Prop, so they still had the property? Yep. So they sold like the house and the like little bit of acreage right around it. So probably like two, three okay. acres, right? Right around it um, to this Marjorie woman. And this is when she started like openly reporting weird things that were happening in the house because before that there wasn't really any any stories about like paranormal stuff. Okay. But she came in and she was like, mm. "Hey guys, <laughs> why did no one tell me about this shit? I'm I don't like it." Uh-huh. And like I said, it's known as uh, America's most haunted house. Okay. And it is rumored, oh boy, there we go. It's rumored that the property was built on top, top of like Native American burial grounds because, you know. Because why not? Because it is, you know, that's <laughs> just what it is. Um, it is now a bed and breakfast and holds tours of different and s- different special events. So it has like halls to do weddings and stuff in. It holds like a day tour and then like a paranormal night tour it has all sorts of different things. The original plantation is the bed and breakfast, but it also has like cabins and buildings and stuff on the property that you can stay in that aren't necessarily like the original house. Okay. It's real. It's really cool. I looked at pictures. They're super neat. So it's like, yeah. And on an adventure. you know what? And it's reasonable because it's like between 150 and 400 dollars a night depending on where you're staying because um like the cabins that fit four to six people yeah are the ones that are like three to four hundred dollars and then the ones that like the actual house original house room named after people are the ones that are like 200 bucks ish a night okay and I don't know. It's not terrible. And they're not crazy booked out. Like I looked. <laughs> Amanda looked. Amanda did research. I was excited. <laughs> I was like, this is something we could actually do. Let's fucking do it. Um, but yeah. So James and Francis Meyer bought the house um, with its reputation and everything. Uh, because Marjorie had bought it in the 50s i said they bought the house with its reputation that it built up throughout the last 20 years so in the oh. 70s they turned it into the b&b got it so it turned into a b&b in the 70s roger um, <laughs> francis wrote a book about the plantation coining the title the most haunted house in america um, okay so now we're in the b&b uh the current homeowner not to be confused is- with a b and e 
beanie, breaking it, bacon and eggs, <laughs> bacon and eggs. Uh, so the current homeowner is owned by Tita and John Moss. Okay. Who still run it as a BMB and do the tours and everything. Um, and like I said, they have how ha- names of the rooms are things like the general Bradford suite and William Winter's room and Ruff and Sterling room and that sort of stuff. Ruffin. Um, the cost of the tours are only like 15 bucks and you can also do like private tours. It didn't state a cost, but you can do like a tour. I'm assuming that's when people do their like ghost hunting stuff and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, but it didn't say a cost for that. And in August of 2014, a fire occurred in the store of the property and now it's back up and working, but uh, there's a restaurant. It's called Restaurant 1796. There's so many cool, fun things. Okay, now for the ghosts. Let's get into it. Let's crack into now it. Now that I talked about all the other things. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, it's allegedly built on an ancient burial ground, like Native American burial ground. It's the Tunica tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no real proof. There's no, like... Other than the fact that we stole the land and murdered exactly, all of them. it's not so. it's not like they actually like dug up a burial mound of any sort and put it on there, but more than likely, the likely, yeah, the likelihood of it being next to that river, the bayou, mm-hmm. and everything that would be where right. you would bury slash live. Okay, um, now the house had a maid named Chloe. The, there's a lot of legends. That I also debunk a couple of them because mm-hmm. you look into it and you're like, I don't it's know about that. Um, so named Chloe. Clark Ruffin was obsessed with this housemaid, okay? Obsessed. So he was a raper? Yes. Okay. So he basically forced to, her to be his mistress, is what I said. Mm-hmm. So Chloe was very anxious about the affair being found out by his wife, right? Um, and so she kind of she would like listen into their conversation so she knew what was being said Mm -hmm. so that she didn't say something to cause any suspicion to the wife right so once she was caught doing this like listening thing and Clark like flew into a rage and punished her by cutting off one of her fucking ears hey that's not a that's not a punishment (laughs) that's you were a naughty girl. Let me cut off your ear. That's, now you can't hear anything. Ouch. That's torture. Yeah. Ouch. So the legend is that after this, she wore a turban regularly to hide the disfigured ear. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Chloe's rage grew and she, this is probably a story you've heard if you've watched anything about the mm-hmm. Myrtle's plantation. Um, her rage grew and she wanted revenge. So she baked a birthday cake for one of the children's birthdays and added oleander leaves into it, which is a poison. Um, this caused the death of Clark's wife and his two children. And when the other slaves found out that she had done this in fear of knowing something and not doing anything about it, like if Clark had found out that they knew, um, they hung her from a tree in the yard. (gasps) Um, for killing the family basically and now people are saying that they see chloe on the property they see a woman with a turban wandering the the woods and the area behind different buildings and stuff in like for a lack of better words like slave attire so you Mm -hmm. know the um like cotton dresses and everything yeah um but 
this is just a legend. Remember, the wife and kids of Clark passed away of yellow fever. Yes. That's a, like that it's on the books as they passed away from yellow fever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it wasn't poison. So there wasn't really even like paperwork of there being a slave on the property named Chloe. Mm-hmm. Um, but the paperwork also, once it started becoming more of a taboo um right when slavery became a taboo and it became more of a like famous place to like come and stay a Mm -hmm. lot of it got lost so and a lot of it burnt up in their building that had a fire and that sort of stuff so there's no like knowing how many slaves they had who was on that list there's a few different random things but yeah nothing definitive they don't want people to know Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. which is so sad because it's like how many people's lives that was that was just yeah. wiped off like they didn't exist. exist hurts my heart I can't even I can't even think about it <laughs> stop thinking about um, it you're gonna cry I know I know I'm weepy <laughs> um dead puppies <laughs> <laughs> no for real though look at I'm glistening I know get your shit together you know <laughs> well I'm not saying it's not sad but get your shit together <laughs> We got a podcast to do. <laughs> um, in 1992, there was a photographer that came to do insurance pictures of the property, like to take pictures of all the different buildings. Um, pictures. A pic tours. Pictures. Pictures. <laughs> um, in one of these photos, you can see clearly see a woman that is dressed in that like aproned and dressed attire with a turban like there are pictures of these things which it doesn't have to be chloe because obviously there were other people there but like the fact that you can clearly see a person like a figure and there was nobody there is really creepy there's a lot of pictures like that from this place a couple of them it's like that's too good to be true but most of them are very not doctored looking um so People came to claim they had interaction with a slave girl with a turban on her head and they would see her walk around. So there's also people that are just seeing it like without knowing the story. Yeah. Um, then there's the legends of Cleo, which is, I thought was ironic. Miss Chloe, Cleo. Chloe and Cleo, Chloe, Cleo, Chloe, Cleo. So then I was Ms. like, I need Cleo. to make sure I get this right. Right. Miss Cleo, call me now. <laughs> <laughs> call me now. <laughs> Um, so Cleo was supposedly from a neighboring property and she was practicing voodoo and was hung on a plot of land really close to the property. This is what they say. Mm -hmm. Um, the story is that the Winters family got desperate because remember they like blocked it off into these different chunks. Mm -hmm. Okay. So technically it's all the original property, but it's a neighboring property from the actual plantation, um, that they got desperate when one of their daughters was dying of typhoid. And they called upon the slave to perform rituals in an attempt to save her. Um, and it called me now. <laughs> and call me now. <laughs> and it didn't. So the daughter died. And then they um, killed her. <laughs> exactly. So out of anger, it is said that Mr. Winters had the slave girl hung from, hung for not saving his daughter. Um, this story may have a little more proof to it, though, since the daughter that was three years old did die of typhoid. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't talk in any of the, like, journaling about it. It doesn't talk about any sort of, like, ritual or anybody named Cleo or anything like that. 
So they think that that may have been just something to work around the history of it to make sense of why they see this woman walking around. Cause that's another like explanation for this woman in a turban to be walking on the property. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, it's a good story and it explains the photo somehow. Right. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> excuse me. People report feeling strong presences all over the grounds as if they're being closely followed behind them. That like feeling of somebody right behind you or hearing like, footsteps when nobody's there like looking at the veranda and no one's on it but you can Mm -hmm. hear someone walking across it don't like that yeah I hate that I can't even like I can't even comprehend that feeling of like knowing you hear something but nothing is happening in front of you Mm -hmm. like that story that I told was it a few weeks ago when he like went into that room and he could hear the banging like something was crashing but nothing was moving yeah I can't imagine. Ugh. I don't like that. Ugh. Okay. Anyway, back to these things. Um, there was also a mist that's seen throughout the property um, and really random cold spots. Like people will literally walk into, and it's in Louisiana, so it's not like a cold place, but they'll walk into a an area or be walking through a room and feel like a total difference in a section of the room, mm-hmm. like multiple degrees, which is fucking freaky. I hate that. Um, uh, legends say that there have been 10 or so murders on the property. Um, there's only a record of one though. So who knows? We don't really know, but that's another legend thing. And the, the murder that happened was the William Winters one when he got Mm -hmm. shot on his porch. And uh, so the story is that he heard a knock on the door when he opened it, he was shot instantly in the chest. And that's when he, like, got shot back because it was a shotgun shell. Mm-hmm. He got shot back and he, like, crawled to the stairs, which are, like, just around the corner of where the front door is. Mm-hmm. And so he, like, crawled up the stairs. And, again, story is that he died on the 17th step with his wife, right? Mm-hmm. So the haunting story that comes with this is people keep hearing when they're staying there or when they're even just, like, in the living area um, that the staircase is in, they can hear dragging and footsteps on the stairs, like somebody's walking, and then nobody's there, obviously, so they will just, like, go to look, or they'll count the steps, and, like, you can hear the steps all the way up to the 17th step, and then it stops, um, so I don't know, I don't know which came first, the legend or the actual story of the 17th step. That's one of those things where I'm like, do people just count to 17 and that's where they assume he died then? Mm -hmm. Um, So another common thing that people witness are children's, 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 or children's. (laughs) I smell children. Children. (laughs) Amok, 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 amok. God, I love that movie. I gotta, I gotta watch that. Yep. Um, so they caught, they see children playing around the like whole property, um, hearing talking and laughing with no children around. This is something, so this. Children ghosts are creepy. There's nothing more creepier to me than like child laughter at night. Uh, yeah. Like (laughs) unexplained children's talking at night where you're like, laughter, why are you having fun? Get away from me. (laughs) Right. What the fuck is happening? Um. So this is something that, so, Ghost Adventures. Mm-hmm. Mine was done, Ghost Adventures too. Yeah, so Ghost Adventures was here, and during 
interviews with Zach Baggins in the beginning because you know how he always does the interview with the people that are there. Yeah. Um, uh, Miss Hester, which is one of the caretakers, said that she greeted a couple and she complimented them on having such a beautiful daughter. And the two just kind of looked at her and were like, we don't have any kids with us. <laughs> and she was like, oh, what the hell? So confused, she like ran outside to look around for this random little girl that obviously was walking around like, where's your parents type of thing. And she couldn't find this girl, right? She looked all over the, it had been like two minutes. So it's not like the girl mm -hmm. disappeared into anything around them. Um, so she walked back into the house and she said that as she was walking into the house, she could hear like a, a little girl's voice say, hello there. <gasps> and the way that she said she, it sounded was as if, why can't you see me? Like a hello there. Hello. That sort of a thing. Oh, because, because no. she like was looking around the porch, looking around the car, walked around the building, came back in. Hello. You know, like, <laughs> I hate that. I don't like that. Hate everything about that right um there's also a confederate soldier that's seen on the near the pond on the property um he just stands there they think that this is more of like a residual haunting where he just kind of stands there looking over the pond and then he slowly dissipates like people okay. see him like in a fog and then it just is gone um which i don't like either kind of freaks me out and then and i prefer that to hello there hello there L right i can't mm. okay Objects tend to move around the property, too. Um, this is the most common occurrence, they say. The ghost hunter, like, people in the show, because it was also on Ghost Hunters, um, they caught a lamb. So I think it's, like, a little toy lamb, one of those ones on the rollers. Mm -hmm. um, slowly rolling across. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, mm -hmm. being pushed by nothing on camera, and the whole mm -hmm. crew was outside. Yeah, yes. like what the fuck. <laughs> um, they also caught what looked like a head and shoulders um in the thermal camera. Yes. Like looking yes. around the corner. Yeah, it's that one. Nope, don't like that. And but you could see through it, like it wasn't like a solid mm -hmm. thermal image. It was like just a haze of and the it's thermal. literally just like a boop boop. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Another thing that happened on that ghost adventures episode was when they were interviewing another property caretaker named Mark Leonard. Um, he told his personal story of being in the home. He said that one day he was lying in a bed in one of the rooms and he was like going to take a nap and it began to shake violently. Like the whole bed began to like, duh, 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 duh. and if you look at these beds, they're like, they're like iron or wood. Yeah. Yeah. They're like heavy beds with big posted, whatever. Mm -hmm. He said it began to shake violently and he instantly thought it was an earthquake. Right. right. So he got up. Well, he looked up and the hanging lamp, the way he knew it wasn't an earthquake was the hanging lamp, like chandelier ish thing on the top of the ceiling wasn't moving at all. It was just him moving. It was sitting still. And so he was like, oh, hell no. So he panicked and ran out of the room. And to this day, they say that there's scratches on the floor from this bed's post being lifted and scooted around on that violent like shaking. Mm -hmm. So there's like little scratches around the actual like legs of the bed. Oh. Not like across the room like it's been moved, but like little chunks out of the floor. Yeah, um, like that. Yeah, gross. Yeah, gross. <laughs> um, there are also lots of pictures. If you go onto their website, you can see a whole bunch. Like I said, a lot of them are almost 
really good, but then there's some that are like, okay, that's too good to be actually something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, there's a lady in white who's peeking from the upstairs window regularly and children that are looking out the downstairs window that people see. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a specific picture that I saw that I guess had taken on the porch with a little girl in the window. That's one of those that I'm like, ah, it seems a little too good to be true, but if it is true, what the fuck? Don't like that. Um, <laughs> but if it's real, oh my God. And if you want to look at them, feel free to go to like the Myrtle's Plantation site. It's literally just like myrtlesplantation.com. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. It's really interesting. Okay, so but first, now let's talk. First, first. The fuck? Um, <laughs> just watching you spiral. The first I'm, I'm just so excited. I like want to go. Um, so let's talk about the mirror because that's another big thing in the Myrtle's Plantation is they supposedly have this like haunted mirror. Nope. Fuck that. Get it away uh -huh. from me. I don't want it. Nope. It's and it's one not. of those like actual mirrors, so it has like a haze of a different color behind it because absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's so cool. So. Yeah. No, it's, it's not. No. <laughs> it's not original to the house, but weird things have shown up in it. Oh, great. People... So they just brought it in from another location, just mingling weird spirits in with other spirits. Nope. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They love it. <laughs> um, there's a lot of pictures that you can see, like, different figures in the mirror. They're not necessarily taking pictures of the mirror. They're taking pictures of people that the mirror happens to be in the background. And you can see, like, a reflection in a window from someplace else or that sort of thing. Um, kids also have stories of seeing people run up and down the stairs because that's, like, directly behind the mirror. So if you're looking in the mirror, you can see the stairs and the reflection. Um, a lot of this could be due to like a matrixing effect, mm -hmm. right? Because of the like discoloration in the mir mirror. If you don't know, matrixing is basically making pictures out of something you see. Like people tend to make pictures of humans if there's like a shape in the dark. It's just in your brain you do it, mm -hmm. um, trying to make it make sense in your head. Uh, so that's like a reason, but movement wouldn't be a matrixing thing. So the fact that they see people run up and down the stairs in the mirror is a little fucked um and last there's a lot of stories of hearing like boots on the porch with nobody there um swooshing of hoop skirts because that was the thing back then but you can hear like the dragging of the fabric on the floor um and shadows darting in between trees and buildings and from room to room in the hallway um lots of that like in the corner of your eye stuff mm -hmm. um and there have been countless EVPs recorded and ghost hunts all over the place that have found different like bits and pieces of evidence, whether it be EVPs or um, temperature drops or electrical bursts, places, that sort of thing. Okay. But to wrap it all up, I just want to say I want to go like right now. Me I want to just be there. Um, that's... I looked at, because I was like, ooh, if we go in, like, June, it's almost summer, but it's not so hot, so then rates, because it's a B&B, rates would be a little bit lower, Is it but also Louisiana? not so, yeah. Then we gotta go to New Orleans if we're going to Louisiana. New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah, no, I agree. We can't just, <laughs> we can't just go to New Orleans and, or go to Louisiana and not make a pit stop in new orleans just can't 
yeah, it's only like an hour and 44 minutes away from each other. Mm-hmm. Doing it. Um, doing it, doing it. Doing it, doing it. <laughs> so, guys, so ends Spooktober. Oh, no. The last month. I don't want it to go. Oh, no, don't go. Um, we, have, we have one for fuck's sake, right? For Spooktober. Yep. I got it. We're going to record that next. Woo! But, like... <laughs> Did you like it? Do you want us to do more of it? Do you like it? Do you love it? <laughs> do you want us to do more of it? Should we like make this a thing and do a mixture? Or do you want us to go back to murder? What are your thoughts, feelings, emotions? Mm-hmm. Let us fucking know. Right? Or should we do something where we're like one spooky episode a month or something fun like that where yeah. we mix it in there or we could just like do like Or we could just do whatever something. the fuck we want and you guys are going to listen to it anyway. Like let us right? know. Like, let us know what, what you want to hear so and that we'll we make just, it. we'll think about it. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it mm, something, all right? We'll think about it. God, we're really not that bitchy. Like, we actually no, we do are. care what you guys yeah. think. We're just being <laughs> smartasses. <laughs> so give us, give, us, give us a sign that you're out there. <laughs> Hello, are you listening? Um, <laughs> um, Yeah, let us know, bitches. Uh, my... Oh, I was wondering, I'm like, I haven't gotten any creepy messages on that one dating site. I'm like, why not? Like, do I need to change my profile to get more creepy messages? It turns out my profile was hidden. So I unhit it. (laughs) Unhit it. First message I get, it's, I only got one, but it's a good, it's a good series. I, I don't even have to look at it because it's so funny. It's like burned into my brain. The first message, safe sex, question mark. And I'm like excuse me <laughs> so, do i believe in it or what <laughs> so i just delete it i'm like i'm not responding and then it responds back are you into safe sex question mark i and again i'm just like i'm not fucking responding to you and God, then, this is weird <laughs> and then it, he was comments again like do you like condoms I mean, I kind of got that. I didn't think that you meant like sex not on a cliff face or something, <laughs> but. Uh... <laughs> so again, I don't respond. And then he, like a day later, he comments, hey, how are you? Like, no, you don't just. <laughs> you don't go from like safe sex. Do you like safe sex? Do you like condoms? How are you? Hey, how are you? No, that's, <laughs> no, that's the wrong order, man. Yeah, get, get out of here. <laughs> you like condoms first of all i mean i don't know people that are like yes i love condoms i, I use like them not being them. pregnant with randos exactly <laughs> i like being like, safe <laughs> I don't and like, smart i don't like <laughs> <laughs> don't give me that look anyway <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for listening guys Hey, I hope you liked our spooky season. Ooky, spooky October. It was fun. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed it as well. It was a nice change of pace. Mm-hmm. I mean, I already got like a list of things I want to do for our, uh, for like murders and stuff, but because I kept running into them as I was looking for stuff, <laughs> I'm like, I can't right now. <laughs> not, not now. <laughs> thanks for listening um comment on things like on things you know like facebook and instagram i did 
download Twitter. I haven't signed back in, but I downloaded it. So step one has been done. Um, just because I, you know, and I think it's once important. election season is done, it's not going to be as bad. Oh God. If I get one more fucking text message about this goddamn election. I know. And I'm like, cause I have been, I'm going to chuck my throne, my throne. I'm going to chuck my phone down a well. I have I'm been like inundated actively actively avoiding clicking anything that deals with politics because i don't want to get on an instant list because that's what they do anything you click on it's like oh thank you for the information here we go i'll send you things no i still am getting like multiple messages also my podcast that i listen to like i don't want to fucking hear i don't listen to you to hear about politics which is why we try to we don't mm -hmm. try not to talk about politics ticks on here for all you know we could be insert uh, green party i don't know, there you go. <laughs> um, <I> don't know. <laughs> aliens for president no yeah, i anyway for president i don't want to fucking hear about it okay i watch the news i do my research i don't need john from a polling place fucking texting me asking me if i voted no motherfucker i'm gonna go to the polls on november 2nd when you're supposed to vote and fucking vote get off my dick about it <laughs> i right well and it's like i think the biggest thing is like when i listen to podcasts or i watch my youtube things or i whatever like youtube is terrible because they have all the advertisements now mm-hmm. that you can't even skip past because they're paid paid yeah um and so but like the podcast, it's like, I just don't even really listen anymore until later because this is great. I'm glad you have opinions, but polarizing your audience, no matter which way it is, not a great idea. <laughs> and it makes me uncomfortable, no matter what I believe or you believe, if it's the right. same or different. I'm just like, okay. I don't want to hear a lecture on it. And I don't want to hear results on it. I don't find it funny anymore. <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, but guys, thankfully, that's our TED talk on politics, right? I'm like, thankfully we got like two weeks left and then everybody's going to cry for a month, no matter who wins. And then we'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be be all right. It'll be another four years of shit show. No big deal. (laughs) No matter who it is. No matter who it is. (laughs) Just typical day in the good old US of A. I mean, (laughs) Nah, I'd rather, I mean, I'm glad I live here. Don't right. get me wrong. But man, sometimes when it's this season, I just wish I could turn it off. Just Every four years, I'm like, <laughs> fuck you guys, man. <laughs> just fuck you. And you know, and we're not saying like, don't vote, don't whatever. No, Go should... vote, just do your own fucking research and decide what you believe in and what platform don't you Don't listen for. to the news yeah just fit just do your own thing instead no matter what channel you want if you're on fox they're all about trump if you're on abc and cnn it's all about biden and all you get is positives of each one you don't get the full picture no matter what news story you listen to so Uh just fucking shut the news off and do your own goddamn research it's not hard just fucking google it right google it and don't go on like paid sites that are mm-hmm. specifically for a certain party if it's okay. like just a bland okay we got it we got to stop we're, we're, topic. Out some of we're this done stuff. with our ted talk now thank you okay. <laughs> vote for whoever you fucking want to vote for we'll love you anyway
Mm-hmm. You do your thing and what works best for you and your family, man. Love you guys. We love you and take care and don't don't go too crazy. Don't go, don't go, don't go dying on me now. <laughs> right? Spread the word. Spread yourself, bitches. Bitches! <laughs>